welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we return once again to our Series 1 retrospective. And we finally remembered we're actually covering the Unquiet Dead. So, oh. which is pretty much like this... <laughs> this is like the, which is like this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll be discussing that a bit later on. Uh, but first, let's have the news as usual. And, um, well, the, <laughs> unfortunately, this... Um, this sort of news section is made up of uh, this first news item, then a birthday, and then, and then, then two deaths, actually. So it's not um, not, the, not yes. the greatest of news we, we've, we've ever bought you, uh, but we'll, we'll crack I mean, We're, we're anyway. just hoping it's not three deaths. Is our conversation. No, exactly. Yeah, which we'll, we'll come on to when we get to the birthday bit. Um, yes. Now, first of all, um, Jodie Whittaker uh, was interviewed recently on Six Music um, and talking about her sort of excitement at playing um, the Doctor. Um, now, one of the things that did interest me about that um, is the fact that she's she has hasn't seen any of the um, reaction to her casting because she doesn't um, do anything with social media. Um, I, I kind of think that's probably um, a good idea, to be honest. Pretty much the same view Peter Davison takes now, isn't it? Really? Yes, yes, indeed. Well, I also um, heard today that uh, Janet Fielding's been um, being trolled. By people as well, and she sort of tweeted that she was now sort of weathering two minds to actually uh, get Peter Davison back onto Twitter again after you know saying there's there's quite some nasty fans out there. Um, so, but but I think Jodie Whittaker obviously um, has, has seen quite a positive side to this because then there was she was presented with a, a painting, wasn't she? Did you see that? No. No, she. I think she left the BBC. I don't know if it's after this six music interview or not, but there was, there was sort of a few photos put up. They, um, uh, a young fan presented her with with a painting they did of her dressed um, in the, the costume she wore for the um, for that little trailer. So, um, right. so yeah. So there's been some nice some nice things coming out. Actually, there really has been. Um, I'm 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 kind of glad she hasn't seen the other side, the flip side to all of this. Actually, which I must admit has kind of sort of gone away, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm slightly. I don't know. I mean, whether, whether, whether she, she's saying she hasn't, but I wonder whether you do sort of have a look if you're in that position. Well, I think people must have told her, um, yeah. but I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't read actors, and uh, you know, they don't read their reviews. They, they're not interested you know interested in what what critics have to say that it's them it's a job and um and if they enjoy doing it then so be it and if they yeah well no i think you've got to because i think if you if you took you know um in, in the same way we don't to... read our reviews <laughs> do you mean <laughs> because we're just well no i read it but it. <laughs> well no i do i do read i do read our reviews um and i and i i find the the, the critical ones <laughs> quite Christ, funny sometimes quite to be honest <laughs> I find them quite funny, to be honest with you. Um, so <laughs> there you go. But no, it's um, you know it, it depends on how you take it, and some people can't take it that well, really, can they? No. You know, it's sort of no. uh, it's sort of, it's, it's the end of the world to them. So I can understand if Jodie Whittaker isn't on Twitter or Facebook or, or whatever. Really, not a friend you know. of hilarious Andy. <laughs> no, obviously not. Obviously not. So that, that's that's where she's missing out. You see. <laughs> yes. That's where she wants to be. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, no, I, I think, and she's talked. You know, she spoke about um, 
you know, sort of doing it sort of, uh, you know, every actor's play that does it differently. It's exciting. Each script you get is something different. She's never done this before, uh, you know, this kind of show. So, um, yeah, she, she certainly seems to be very, very excited about it. And let's just hope that it, this excitement sort of comes across in the, in, in, in the role as well. I like, I like the fact, you know, each script is going to be different. <laughs> Roll on three years when it's, well, I've, got, I've had enough of running down corridors. And I've decided to do yeah, exactly. something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I felt it was becoming a bit stale. and uh... <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, but as I say, it, it's all gone very, very quiet at the moment about, you know, what's happening with Jodie Whittaker. And I suppose that that will pick up again, um, really, I suppose, next year. Yes, it, it, it's going to the... be until they actually start filming something, isn't it, really? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and also once the Christmas special's out of the way, because let's, let's not forget, Peter Capaldi is still the Doctor, folks. Let's not... Yes. <laughs> he hasn't officially gone yet. Well, he has gone, but as far as the show's um, concerned, he hasn't actually gone yet. That's still to come. So he is still the Doctor. Um, yes. But there we are. Now, um, in other in other news, uh, it's as I said, happy birthday to um, L. Cameron, um, who reached the, the ground of age of 100, actually. Um, now, for those who don't know who L. Cameron is, he played one of the astronauts, um, I think it was Williams, wasn't it, the astronaut, um, in The Tenth Planet, William Hartnell's last story. Yes. Um, now, something that sort of comes as, as a, a surprise to us, actually, he says he is now the oldest surviving actor to have appeared in the series. Um now, the other two actors that reached their centenary was um, Zora uh, Segal and Olaf Pooley. We didn't realise that Olaf Pooley had died. No. <laughs> now, um, we... Because yeah, I, 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 I sort of read that, and I, I can very much remember us talking about congratulating Olaf Pooley on getting to 100. And, obviously, he's passing past us by, really. Yes, yes. Um, I... I mean that was two two thousand fifteen, wasn't it, when he died? And yes, I that just sort of goes to show because we we were speaking about this before we start recording, um, and we remembered speaking about his hundredth birthday, um, on on a commentary we did, yeah, uh, a long long. It was obviously it was back in two thousand and fourteen, and him dying. I, I don't know if we we did it or not. If we covered it or not, I don't remember if we did. <laughs> I don't remember us doing it because this almost did come as a bit of a oh to me when I saw the yeah it is yeah obviously the logic of that being that he had died so logic of El yeah Cameron being the eldest member mm. Mm. Oh, well, we yeah that sort of comes as a bit of a bit of a surprise to us but uh, the other thing we I hope, didn't realise is we don't also... have to talk about Earl Cameron for passing for 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 a few no. years. No. No, let's hope not. Let's hope not. Um, but the other thing I didn't realise, he was in Thunderball as well. He no, played Bond's yeah. assistant out in the Caribbean. I, I didn't, I didn't realise it was him. Actually, that was that come as a surprise to me as well. So um, I'm going to say congratulations, sir. And it is, it is to many more birthdays yes. ahead of you as well. Indeed, indeed. Now, um, unfortunately, as I said, we, we do have sadly two deaths to, uh, to report on as well. Um, first up, we have Victor Pemberton. Um, has died at the age of 85. Now, Victor Pemberton uh, was an actor, a writer, and he invented the sonic screwdriver. Um, yes. Which was, yeah, I mean, <laughs> how you'd iconic have, is that? You'd you know? have a space on your shelf, wouldn't you? You would, really, wouldn't you? 
You really would. Um, now, he wrote uh, Fury from the Deep, which saw the introduction um, of the Sonic Screwdriver, um, which unfortunately we can no longer see, um, Fury from the Deep. But um, he was the script editor um, for a while on, um, on Doctor Who. And he script edited Tomb of the Cybermen um, for... Um, who was who was who was the um, in charge? Someone Bryant was it? Oh, Peter Bryant, that was it. Um, yes. And he actually wrote that scene between the Doctor and Victoria about explaining how they no one can do what we do, you know, how their lives are different to everyone else, um, which is a fantastic little scene, um, which I never knew he yes. actually sort of wrote. To be honest, it really is. Um, it's, it's a fantastic little um, little scene. Um, but he also wrote the audio adventure Doctor Who and the Pescatons, um, which starred Tom Baker and Elizabeth Sladen. And he also wrote the target novelisations for, for Fury from the Deep and the Pescatons as well. Have you ever listened to Doctor Who and the Pescatons? Was it, I was going to say, was it one of those things no, you could hire out in the library when we, when we were kids? I must admit, I've never heard it either, to, to my eternal shame. No. I really haven't. Um, no. No. It's one of those ones we'll probably have to see where we can find a copy. Yes, indeed. I, I dare say it, you could you could download it somewhere anyway. So um, oh, anyway, so we've, now, we've already um, got we've already yeah. got our audio trauma for next 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 podcast booked, haven't we? Otherwise, we could have. We have actually, yes, yes. Which we, we, yeah, so um, but we'll, we'll, we'll tell you what there is at the end of the show anyway. Now, uh, now, unfortunately, the other um, death we have to um, report on is the actor. Now, I hope I've, I've, I've always had trouble pronouncing his name. I think it's pronounced Hal Bennett, um, who's yes, died I, at the I, age I, of seventy. I've taken that view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that, is that you, you, you you pronounce it as well? Hal Hal Bennett. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, yeah it that's is. Okay, cool. I was, I was a bit. I was a bit too. Yeah, I was, I was a bit wondering whether that was right or not. Um, unfortunately, he's died at the age of 73. Now, his Doctor Who connection, um, he played an Iridian in The Death of Time, which is the second episode of The Chase. Um, so we're going back a few years here. Um, but it's also in um, the films Virgin Soldiers, as well as The Family Way, which is another uh, famous British film from the 60s, uh, also starring um, Hayley Mills. Um, but I think he's most famous uh, for playing um, the title character in the series Shelley, uh, which was on yes. Thames Television. Um, well, I think started was it nineteen seventy nine? One of ITV's um, very few successful sitcoms. Yes, um, it was watched up to, up to eighteen million viewers used to tune into that one, um, which was yeah, incredible viewing like it, figures. Actually. Do you know what? I've never watched an episode of it. Never watched no. an episode. I couldn't tell you no, what it was about. Right. To be honest, yeah. Okay. Well, I think the other thing um, no. that I think both of us know him from is Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, um, yes. the, the Alec Guinness version, uh, where, he, where he played Ricky Tarr um, in that. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been in so many, um, so many things. You know, you know he really has, um, and it's, it's a shame because I mean, seventy three is you know these days he's, he's, he's no age at all, really. No, it really isn't. So, um, so but the, 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 I do have a kind of a connection. To Hal Bennett, um, actually, because my um, granddad served in the police force with his uncle. Right. So, yeah, so um, um, there, there was always a little bit of a long standing joke people made, sort of like, we once we found out that, that Hal Bennett was his nephew. And I think granddad might have met him once. And there was this long standing joke in our family, sort of Hal, Hal Bennett, personal friend of the family. <laughs> so, hmm. so um, 
yeah, so that that was it. That was just that was that was the connection. Um, we do, uh, you know, sort of very very tenuous connection to to Hal Bennett there. So um, there you go. So yeah, I mean, sorry to sort of um, sort of that that, that sort of like to sort of finish the news on that really. Um, two, two deaths. Um, but as, as we we keep on saying, this is going to become more and more of of a thing, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's just we're just, just pinning all our hopes on El Cameron keeping being eternal now. We think. Yes, indeed, indeed. There's fingers crossed for that one. However, let's let's try and sort of bring the podcast up again because let's go now uh, over to Omega's Tat Corner. You pester me with trinkets. Right now, there's been um, something we never actually discussed. Actually, is the Doctor Who Mister Men crossover books, um, and we've, we've never really spoken. But we don't no. really go into like literature much, do we? About like comics and, and books and everything. Um, however, they have bought are going to be bringing out some. Um, Related to Tat, um, there's going to be some Doctor Who Mister Men figures uh, coming out um, from I think it's released from BBC Worldwide, and the books they've done so far has been uh, the first Doctor, fourth Doctor, eleventh, and the twelfth, and they're bringing out a little sort of figurine of each of each um, Mister Man stroke Doctor Who, um, and looking at the photos here, that that looks sort of quite quirky, don't they? Yes. Even though the, even though the Tom much, Baker one does look, does look like a, the... look like a potato, it does. But I think Tom Baker one looks like a potato. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do like the Capaldi one. That does look quite good. Um, yeah. But I say they're the they're the four books um, published so far with the, with the time figures. Uh, but there's going to be further books coming up with the second, seventh, eighth, and ninth Doctors. Um, do you, I don't know when though. It says later this month. Uh, so it will be sort of like end, I would imagine end of end of August. Um, but these figures um, will retail each at nine ninety nine. So um, unfortunately, though, I can't actually tell how big they are um, or anything. So I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if nine ninety nine is a good price or not. To be honest, no. Yeah, no. We we have no other information, do we, at the moment? No, we certainly don't. We certainly don't. Um, I only think the one that looks a bit odd is the Hartnell one. So I've obviously thought, like, well, what's the, what's the the quirky thing for Hartnell? And they could have just gone with the walking stick, but they've gone with the monocle, um, which he didn't wear that often, did he? No. And the very quirky, quirky walking stick as well. Yes. No, no, it was it, it was like a like a had a few turns in in the in the carpentry of the, of of his cane, but um, it wasn't quite as sort of like he just picked up a branch that fell off a tree, yes, and started leaning on it. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. I suppose it's just to over accentuate it, really, isn't it? So, but I'm just a bit. I just find that the whole monocle thing a bit of a, a weird, a weird time. You could have just gone with the stick and had, had done with that, really. Yeah. You know what? He did wear the monocle round his neck, though, didn't he? So, but he never actually wore it as such. I don't. I, I, I suppose. I suppose it's it's slightly difficult if you're not actually going to put clothes on them, as to what is the yeah, yeah. What's the thing the, with the first time? Yeah, exactly. It's a bit difficult that one, isn't it? So, I'm interested to see what they do with the um, second Doctor then. Hmm. I'm, I'm just looking at the fourth Doctor and looking at the colour of him. And just thinking, are they, are they waiting for the 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 Mister Men Trump figure to come out? Oh, got the colour ready. <laughs> oh God! Well, he, he practically is a Mister Men figure already, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> His whole life's like a bloody cartoon. A very sick one at that. 
Anyway, um, there we are. <laughs> let's leave the let's try and leave the politics out of out of the podcast. Um, anyway, yeah, that's it. That's it for the for, for Tats Corner and uh, Tats Corner. I said it again last time we did Omega's Tat Corner. I called it Omega's Tats Corner. Um, Omega's Tat Corner, I should say. Um, yeah, and that's it for the news as well. So uh, coming up next, we're going to be discussing uh, the Unquiet Dead. So for another week, then that was the news. everybody out there at home we're now going to talk about the unquiet dead now see the future let's have a look at the past 1860 Phantasmagoria is this. I saw the fall of Troy, World War V. I pushed boxes at the Boston Tea Party. Now I'm going to die in a dungeon. Cardiff. And it, I do believe it's your turn to kick off proceedings this time, isn't it? Yes. Yes, okay. And I have, and I have to say, I've sort of been looking forward to seeing this episode again. Right, okay. Um... My memory of it, it was that this was really the first episode of the the return of Doctor Who that sort of made me settle back and think, no, okay, we're fine. I'm, I'm, really? Yeah, I'm 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 well into this now. Yeah, because I was a bit, I don't know, the the previous episode was 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 okay, but it just sort of didn't feel that they, you know, Doctor Who to me does does have the histor- historical episodes. Yeah, and the fact that they were still doing, going to be doing them, sort of, yeah, okay, yeah, it's fine. We're we're on the page here. Yes, and yeah. I, I, yeah, and and I have to say, I watched it again, and I still actually love this episode. Um, I'm, I'm glad you said that because so do I. Actually, I, I was really, oh. really looking forward to watching this one again. Really was. Um, but then, you know, it's sort of I, I, the thing that sort of you got saw- me that got me with this was was the I think this is the best pre-credits sequence in the show since it came back and I don't think it's been bettered actually with, with no. the that the old lady um sort of zombie fun screaming as she's walking towards that you know that yeah that that would make kids running behind the sofa you know um yeah. and I think that's why that's why I love it because he thought okay we we've had a couple of as you say I can't really remember what we, what we said about the last two episodes now um but as you say, they were fairly, I can put it, sort of safe, weren't they? Yeah, they they was they was very much scene setting, weren't they? Yeah, but this you you and... this you were taken back to like the you know the Philip Hinchcliffe era with this really, weren't you? Yeah, because it was it was and... full full on horror to begin with, you know. And and to a certain extent, you now sort of appreciate that that would be something that would very much appeal. To Mark Gatiss, but actually at the time I'm not quite sure that we were that sure of him, really. Well, no, because I mean that that we sort of knew him for League of Gentlemen. League of Gentlemen, he yeah. Done, he yeah. hadn't done his horror documentaries, had he by then? No, he hadn't. Well, it's obviously you, you so, can see see the the horror influence in League of Gentlemen. 
Um, and, yeah. if, and if you know your horror films, you, you know, you'll, you'll get them all. Even some old silent horror films, they, they sort of reference in League of Gentlemen as well. But, um, yeah, when I sort of read that Mark Gatiss was writing one, I thought, okay, well, he, he does comedy. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought at the time. Um, but do you know It's what? interesting. Have you, yeah. have you, have you, did you, have you watched the, the couple of extras that come with this that he did on the DVD? No, I haven't, to be honest. They are quite interesting because the first one being a video diary, which is basically him basically recording how he was in different situations right from the first interview mm. about it. Yeah. And and he's sitting there saying, everyone expects me to do a romp. And I'm not quite sure if that's what well, what's going to happen. Yeah, because that's probably the similar sort of feeling we were having. <laughs> Yeah, at the time so, as well. So, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, so what you're saying there is, you know, we hadn't sort of, you did sort of think that he would be overall common. And it's quite interesting just to how much it changed from hmm. where his original ideas were going. All oh, right. To okay. what you get on the the screen because it seems to be quite late into the the idea. You know, that he was basic and how much he's actually told of what he had to write. He oh, had okay. to write an episode with gas monsters, um, Dickens, and seances. Yeah, I, I've after reading the writer's tale, um, by by Russell, you know that that diary from Russell T Davis yeah. about his time on the show, and I know it, it didn't really sort of, um, I can't, I don't think it covered this particular series, but you did get the idea he he had a very very firm hand on the tiller. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he really had all the ideas, and he said, "I want you to write about this, 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 and this." And maybe th- sometimes that was to the detriment of the writer, because I, th- I do think some of them, and also th- to the, his own detriment, because I don't think he's the greatest sci-fi writer, Russell T. Davis. Um, he, he's a very, very good character-driven writer, and his and yeah. uh, his idea to root it with like family and, and things like that. Um, but some of his sci-fi ideas I don't think sort of hold up to close scrutiny yeah you know I think they're still damn good stories but if you if you sort of really examine them I don't think they sort of hold up too well from a sci-fi angle but um I think it I don't know maybe this maybe he knew what Mark Gatiss was capable of writing because he he did about the, the, the whole Victoriana um the horror angle seances and Things like that. So um... yeah, I mean, he, he says he sort of saw the draft, of, you know, just the little bits of pre, uh, what Russell T Davis had written for each one, and he said, you know, oh, I hope I get the the horror one. Yeah, and yeah, he gets the horror one sort of thing. Uh, yeah, but there was lots of. I mean, there's the stuff you know where he's actually talking on there, and he's saying difficult to write because we don't know who the doctor's going to be yet. Oh, right, okay. And then, obviously, it goes through a few more bits where he's talking about it. Then suddenly you get this this clip and he says, it's Eccleston. <laughs> I'll have to go back and watch that now. Because, you, you know, you just suddenly yeah. realise, just, you feel now, you know, you see sort of how little the f- people doing the first series had to go on mm. when they was actually commissioned to, to write an episode. Bloody hell. It sounds like a, a damn near impossible task, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and probably explains why it changed so much, because obviously you, you, it's difficult to... How do you write an episode where you don't know who the the lead actors are? 
Yeah. You've got nothing to be able to say, oh, this will play to their strengths or they'll be able to do this. Dialogue must just be a, a nightmare. It must be. It really must be. Well, I mean, fair play to him. I, 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 I'll go out the limb here and I, I think this is actually Gates' best script for, 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 the, um, for the show. I mean, I like Empress of Mars. I really did enjoy that. But I just enjoy the hell out of this one. And I don't think there's anything that... Okay, maybe the, maybe the gas monsters, the girl threw a little bit of a, a weak link. Yeah, in he this, actually but... says he also actually says that he didn't want the them to be visualised. Oh right, okay. He didn't want another another adversary going doctor. Yeah, because he did turn into a bit of that, didn't it? Um... Yeah, so he was quite happy if they could have actually have just been, you know, mentioned but not seen. But he was what? actually persuaded that they had to be seen yeah. by uh, Phil Collison. Well, I I had some sort of thoughts about the about the girl thatch, you know, as it was after I sort of finished watching it, I was making notes as I was um um as I was watching it as I was going along. Um but then I was that I watched that sort of yesterday. Um when I was driving to work this morning, I suddenly thought about well, the whole thing for me in this um is the doctor's attitude to um, their suggestion of using the corpses to, you yeah. know, to, to walk around it. And it's a very, very... Um, it's almost like Tom Baker's attitude to, to people dying in um, the Pyramids of Mars. Very dismissive um, about, the, you know, um, oh, Scarman's brother, you know, yeah. realise he, he's dead and he's just a walking cadaver and all that and... Or if, if you found once he found you know Scarman was was dead as well, um, and he sort of like he, he was that whole thing about him. Um, Sometimes I think you're not human, sort of thing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he, he yeah, was just, right. he was just seeing the bigger picture, wasn't he? About the yeah. other universe oh, at stake, uh, uh, you know. And, and the whole the whole the whole thing actually, the line that actually does put this into context is the "Do you carry a donor card?" Yeah. Yeah. Well. Here are people that are going to die without these bodies. Yeah. So are you just going to let them die? Yeah. Now, for the to... sake of people that yeah. have already passed. Yeah. Now, what what I was actually thinking, you, to to my mind, you didn't really need the Gelfs to go bad. No. At the end, really, I mean, I... because I think the story was enough with Rose seeing the Doctor in, in a different light, hmm. and also at loggerheads with the Doctor over it as well. Because I think that I think yeah. that's that's certainly brought Rose's character into focus. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the 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 interesting part was, yeah, that the that Rose and the Doctor had a moral dilemma. Yeah. Um, the fact that then the Gelf go bad mm. sort of overwrites that. Yeah, it does. I think it would have been. I think it would have been good enough if if the Doctor had sort of gone through with the plan and they used the, the dead bodies and he took them off to another planet or something. Yeah, it, um, would, it would it would have left that moral question more there, wouldn't it? Because yeah. then you'd have had the fact of was he right to have done it or not? Mm. But it actually just became a case of the Doctor was wrong. Yeah. He'd got led by, he'd got um, influenced mm. by the, by his guilt for feeling that their situation was caused by the time war. Yeah. Exactly. So... 
Well, I mean that that I mean that bit still could have gone through. That 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 I yeah. think that's all you needed, really. Um, yeah. As you said, it was the Doctor's guilt of now trying to do the right thing, um, and then as you said, that moral dilemma between him and Rose. So I think I think really that would have worked enough. I I wonder if this had come, this episode had come now, we would have had that. I suspect they were still caught in the. You've got to have a baddie. Yeah, you've got to have a monster. Yeah. yeah. Well, you did have monsters. You, you, in... you had you had zombies walking around snapping people's necks. So you know. I know, you... no, but not necessarily evil. Yeah. And we don't get that. Perhaps, perhaps not because you have that, and they already had that idea for the Doctor Dances. That the aliens weren't evil or bad, mm. and you had people wandering around zombified there. Yeah, could have been. Couldn't this it? Yeah. this one had to set the tone for you to feel that yes, all aliens that would want to take over somebody would mm. be bad. Yeah, to make the the actual resolution to um, that two parter. Mm. To be to take you somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're I, getting ahead of ourselves. Here, we are getting way ahead of ourselves here, actually. But, oh, sorry, um, but, but but actually, just thinking about that now, actually, I hadn't necessarily thought about that now, and just suddenly realised. Obviously, we didn't know that at the time when we watched mm. this the first time. But that may be why they had to be evil. Maybe, so maybe. I mean, the, the other thing that sort of leads up to the, this whole reveal that they're evil is is the. So there is a supernatural um, element to this, isn't there? With the Gwyneth yes. character being able yeah. to, you know, she's got she's got the sight and all that. There's no real explanation about what that really is, is there? There's no sort of scientific or semi-scientific um, or cod scientific, I should say, explanation for it. There's a fact that I suppose she's been... What I took from it was that she'd been sort of exposed to these aliens that were the other side of the time rift for a period of time mm. and whether she was getting there was something that they was coming through her that was giving her these visions so to yeah speak. it could be sort of like time sensitive or or yeah something on those lines yeah um do you know what? I'm I'm not sad that there wasn't an explanation for it. It just left open ended. No, it did. Yeah, yeah. You it know. didn't need it. It didn't need it. No, it um, didn't. It didn't. It it worked quite well. I mean, the, getting back to what Mark Gates was saying on this stuff. I mean, the original ideas for this was that it was going to be a basically set in a a building where every floor was a different medium and seance going out going on. Yeah. And it was only um, when you got to Sneed at the top that yeah. actually there was anything real happening. So, it, mm. yeah, the, the difference in change to where that went to to this. Yeah. And also, as you said about oh, you, the, the opening to this is being one of the best openings to to a, a episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. Credit opening. is 
basically one of the first things he says on this on this video was the fact that he wants the first view of Victorian London to be through Rose's eyes. So it's going to open on the TARDIS. Yeah. With her then stepping out into Victorian Victorian Britain, Britain yeah. Yeah. So obviously yeah, the huge change there to just get to that which which works brilliantly. Oh, it does. And and even even then to allow the the comedic twist to it, you know. The fact that when when he gets attacked and Sneed comes in, it's his first reaction is, oh, not again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I do like the Sneed character yeah. in this, actually. Um, um, he, he's sort of slightly comedic, but he's not a very nice man either, is he? He's sort no. of, you know, threatening Gwyneth with the, with the, with the sack if, um, if she doesn't use her sight and everything. Yeah, and, so, and base, basically the undertone then is that they're basically going to kill Rose because she knows too much. Yeah. And um, any any um yeah. and he had a, Ori, a, quick, a quick grope as well. So yes. according to Rose, yeah, he's he's not a nice man, Mister Sneed. He really isn't. But even the name no. Sneed, it's it's a it's a, it's a it's a slimy, um, snidey little name, isn't it? Sneed. Oh, and there goes our Sneed listenership. <laughs> <laughs> but is that and he and he, he does play it like that, doesn't he? You know, yeah. he, he's sort of like, you know, the circumstances have made me do this, you know. Um, he's, he's clearly out of his depth and, and doing the wrong thing, you know, so. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I do like I do like the character, you know, he, the way, and the way he's played, I really do. Um, I also like um, Eve Miles as well, because obviously this is Eve Miles' first um, journey into Doctor Who, uh, or the world of Doctor Who, I should say. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I like, I was going to say, I like to sort of like the, the scene with... Um, her and Rose in the scullery. Yes. Actually. And it's her Eve Moles' reactions to um to, to, to Billy Piper's lines about, you know, um a boyfriend. Like having, having boyfriends and having a cracking backside or, or looking at looking at boys and all that. It, it was just sort of like the, the little little look of shock on her face was quite yeah. um I, wasn't, I really, I really, wasn't overdone, was no, it? No, wasn't, it wasn't. Oh my, no. Wasn't no. The, oh, I need to get the smelling sort sort of thing. Yeah. It just was the <laughs> Yeah, was having a fit of the vapors, what we were calling it. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I really liked it. I really liked the character, um, and it's it's kind of a shame. It's sort of it's actually sort of quite heartbreaking that she, you know, she got killed off at the end. Really. Yeah. You know, I'd like to. I would again, like to see so, the character sort of survive. You know. The first sort of thing there again between Rose and the Doctor, where she trusts him. Yeah. And then realizes. That not everything's gonna be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because at the moment it's all been a bit. You no, know, the, the doctor saves the day. Yeah. You know. Um. I do. I suppose he. I suppose, you know. If you go back to um, the end of the world, he, he couldn't save. Um, oh, the tree person who helps him yeah. go through the giant fan. So he couldn't save her. Um. I oh, know, but yeah, I was just. What was that? Was it Jabe? But... Was it Jabe? Was that the name? Oh, I, yeah, I think I it was Jabe. Yeah, I can't that. remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. But, go um, on. Yeah, but there, Rose wasn't really a, hadn't really had any, um, contact with her. No, not really. No. So um, I don't think Rose had got a. Well, the, the first person that Rose had connected with mm. that had died. I mean, there was the thing. Or with really the... connected. 
with yeah, and you saw yeah. and you saw you know she knew that he that that person had died, whereas I don't think really we had that with either um, the bloke in Rose, who was the one studying the doctor, mm. who you know died because I don't Rose doesn't really know that's happened. No, that's right. So she yeah. doesn't have time to to mourn him. It's all the all we've won sort of thing. Yeah, and again with the um, Jabe in that, it was just a case of oh well, we've su- we've succeeded. Mm. There wasn't that sense of oh, these were this was somebody I knew and somebody we've well, lost. Yeah, the the only sort of I suppose you say the the, the callous side of the Doctor's um, character, I suppose you, you could that Rose saw in that particular story was when he just let Cassandra die. Yeah. When she, you know, she couldn't moisturise, and he just said everything has its time, um, yeah. and that was it. So um, she saw sort of glimpse of it there, I suppose you could say. But then yeah. it, that, 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 that was watching that, that was watching she, the villain she, die, wasn't it? So yeah. yeah, this was not this was not the innocent party that she that he'd promised or they'd promised would be okay. Mm, yeah, yeah. So it's um, uh, no, I, I do like that. I, I do like the, the you know. Um, as I said, it's a, shame, actually, it's a shame the character was killed off, but I, I do like, you know, it's opened Rose's eyes a bit more, hasn't it? Because I think that yeah. was, obviously, that's, this was the idea of watching everything through Rose's eyes. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I suppose that, that that's what we're seeing it, a new audience sees that the Doctor doesn't save everybody. Yes. He might I defeat, just, yeah. the, you know, you know, he might defeat the bad guys, but, you know, sometimes there's, there's a price to pay. Yeah. And, um, it was just a very good fact that actually, yeah, she was already dead before the Doctor could do anything. It wasn't even the Doctor had a choice. No, that's right. It already happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so, I, I, I did like that. Um, we're talking of Eccleston. Um, we'll, we'll come on to Simon Callow in a minute, but um, what do what, you make of Eccleston in this one? Is Yeah, good. I mean, what is really you take on it is the fact that he does a lot of in this watching other people. Yeah, does it really well. You know what's going on in his head. Just from just from the early point of the, you know, when he's standing watching, standing in the room where they're just talking, and she, uh, Gwyneth gives him the tea with two sugars. Yeah. And it's just doesn't doesn't have to say anything about you know well, how do you know or whatever, and he's just watching them, and you know that he, he knows what's going something's up and what's going on there. Yeah, and sort of the, the, sort of grinning to himself when or not grinning but smiling to himself when Rose is giving Sneed a, a you know a to- yeah. you know a tongue lashing. So um, I, I think sort of people criticise Eccleston for gurning a lot. Um, well, you could say a lot, you know, you know. Um, Pertwee did a, did a hell of a lot of that in his in his day. Yeah. Um, but in, in this one, he doesn't, does he? He's, he's, I don't know whether he sort of. I don't know if this was a different production block, or so. I've got no idea. Because um, this was directed by Euro Slin, who's who's sort of one of the sort of like the the, the better directors um, from yeah. Doctor at that time. Um, and certainly and- one of the ones that sort of. Carried on throughout the series, didn't they? Yes, he did. Than... Yeah, rather than just being a, a one-off like Keith Boak, for argument's sake. Yeah. That, that's what we're coming to next in our, our, our respect, uh, 
uh, retrospective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really liked Eccleston's performance in this one. Um, and I think it, it was a case of all the cast were just on, on top form. I really do. Yeah. I mean, and and, and let, let, let's move on to Simon Callow. Yes, let's, let's. Even to the fact that actually for him to have really hammed it up, the opportunity was there, but I think he got the balance just right. Yeah. You had a very, I mean, especially at the beginning, the, the scene in the dressing room mm. with him is, is brilliant. And I quite liked the way that they, they brought Dickens. It wasn't, you know, either a, a massively serious or, you know, upbeat performance. It was, a, it was a man that was basically had come to the end of his... End of his career, basically, yeah. hadn't he? Yeah, he was, he was oh, now... Yeah. He, he he was getting bored of life. Yeah. And the fact that um what happened here going against everything that he believed in mm. actually gave him a new feeling of purpose. Yeah. And a new a new, then, a new zest for life, didn't it? Yeah. May want to reconnect with his family and and Yeah. Go, I say go home for Christmas. The other thing I was going to say I completely forgot this was this was set around Christmas this story. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. So it's, it's, it's the forgotten Doctor Who Christmas special. It is actually, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, no, I, I love Simon Callow in this, and I think um, Mark Gate is giving some fantastic dialogue. Yeah, in this, um, and he even managed to sneak in a League of Gentlemen line as well. And it's when he says about uh, he calls everything cheap mummery, right? Which is a line from the Doctor uh, from the League of Gentlemen Christmas special. That it was the Again, the Victorian set one with the the Curse of Carrot Poor, which right. was Doctor Do- Chinnery's. Um, that's how Doctor Chinnery, um, his family got the curse. How they he killed all the animals that he um, right. he treated as a vet. So um, so yeah, that line's used in there as well. Cheap mummery. So um, yeah, I I I well I've, actually the first time I heard that line all those years ago, I immediately thought of the the Curse of Carrot Poor. Right. So um, but but what is interesting about this, the officer about saying. Mark Gates talking about this was saying he actually tried to keep wanted to keep Dickens to as minimum in it as possible originally. Oh, oh right, okay. What well, what was the reason for he that? He felt then? that he felt that in historically the doctor you always heard about the people he'd met. Mm. But never saw them. And oh right, okay. Felt, that's how he felt historically episodes of the doctor how historical episodes of Doctor Who should deal with characters, famous characters. Um, it was only a mixture of he was encouraged then to write a bit more. Yeah. Simon Callow liked the way that they was that it wasn't you know Dickens wasn't being made the either the the butt of jokes or well because he's quite an authority on Dickens, isn't he, Simon yeah, Callow? Yeah. Yeah. And and then re- going back to Mark Gaydas saying. Once they, Simon Callow said he was interested in playing the part, it felt mm. like they'd actually got Dickens himself to do it. Yeah. So yeah. then he felt he could he was safer to be able to, to write more. Dickens into it. Because I'm, I'm it wasn't gl- going to become a. Well, I'm glad a, they did because he made an excellent second companion to the Doctor in this yeah. story. Yes. He, you know he really did. 
Um, yeah, I, I just can't praise praise his performance hardly enough. To be honest, I really can't. I thought it was it was fantastic. And as you say, it, it could have been really hammy. You know, it could have been yeah. sort of like you know storming into a into a scene. I'm Charles Dickens, the famous writer. It could have been a bit like yes. that, but it, you know, it wasn't at all. Um, as you say, he, he played it as sort of like a, a a man without purpose. Yeah. You know, and I I really like that. I really did like that sort of you know the the monotony of touring and and, and telling stories, or, or basically just sort of telling his own you know, stories he'd written. You know, yeah. uh, just to and make, who's, just to make who's money. Basically, imagination had basically come to an end. Yeah, he felt he'd seen everything and done everything that he was going to do. Yeah. So yeah, no, definitely worked as as a character. And interestingly, actually, what is interesting about this episode is. Mm. How actual little the Doctor does in it, and what he does in it, he probably gets wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, um, actually, you, you could even go back to the fact where he's trying to take Rose to, um, oh, was it, oh, was it Italy, Naples. wasn't it? Naples, yeah. yeah. Um, and I like the fact they reintroduced the fact about you know the the, the Doctor can't cut exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad they sort of reintroduced that because it hadn't really been um, yeah, cause sort of he'd, spoken he'd about before. The, the first time he'd taken her exactly where he was taking her, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. And yeah. He, so, so if you looked at that and you think, oh, he's got control of the TARDIS now, so now this one brought it back to, well, he was sort of there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and just the fact that, obviously, the whole joke on it, on being it being Cardiff, mm. the last place they wanted to be, <laughs> you know, actually, is is where they were, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the last place Doctor Who wants to be? It's it's, it's in Cardiff. <laughs> so you know, where, where is it being resurrected in Cardiff? In Cardiff, yeah. <laughs> oh, the, actually, I just want to sort of brief, briefly touch on Euro Slim again because obviously you got you got that cracking um, pre-credit scene. But it, going back to um, um, Dickens in the theatre, and. Obviously, you've got the old lady who's gone to the gone to to watch Dickens, yeah. And it's that it's that shot of the audience, and you have to make her out. You have to look really hard, yeah, to see her. It's like a Where's Wally, yeah. And and when you spot it, you spot this old lady's face, like dead, just staring straight at you. It's quite a chilling thing to see, yeah. And I think I think, I think that's it's a, it's a cracking bit of photography. I really do. The way and yeah, was... you you get you get that, and it's not automatically as soon as you see her, then it starts happening. No, it, it's you get one... that. Then it cuts back to him talking again. Then it cuts back to other bits of the audience. Then yeah, back I think, to him. You, then I mean, finally, you, you, finally, you get... you, yeah, you do get a close up of, of um. I can't think the close up is to begin with when they say. I think she's, you know, um, they're talking about it. she. She wanted to go and see, or she was just really looking forward to to seeing this this show. The um, great man coming. The great down man. That's London. right. Yeah, and you do see her face close up in the audience. But when later yeah. on, when Dickens is is doing his show, um, you have to look hard to yeah. see. And when I said when you do, it's like whoa, you know. It's, it's, I think it's great. I really do. Really think it's great. So. Um, I mean, I suppose I, I can't really say much more about this because I think I just enjoyed the hell out of it. So, I mean, the, so the only weak link to this is the Gelf, really. Yeah. Um, 
or really what, I, or where they actually, took the Gelf, the the road, the road they took the Gelf down, I think was probably the weak link. It didn't. It actually, wasn't necessary. Not, not even so much that they became evil. Mm. What I dislike about it is the fact that they change from the smiling young face, yeah, pleading for life, mm. to, the, to the red demonic figure. And well, it doesn't need that, actually. No, it doesn't. Well, it would have been more chilling if they'd have suddenly carried on this, the, the, the high-pitched, oh, save us. If that that carried on with the, and now this, we're going to take over the this yeah, planet. Yeah, yeah. Because apparently that, that um, the girl turning red, it was a last-minute change. Yeah. To the visual effects, so which, as you say, I don't think it was, it was really no, needed. No, I, 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 I think it would have worked better just bit if they'd carried on being as they were. Yeah. And the change was in what they were saying mm. and just in what they were saying rather than the whole persona changed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you on that. It, it wasn't really needed at all, that bit. Really wasn't. I mean, but we, we, we've said it about this being Mark Gatiss's best episode yeah yeah do we do we think we need to have a more of a reconsideration of mark gatus as a writer for doctor who because you said about the empress of mars being good i really like cold war i do you know i forgot about cold war that is a that is a very good one as well actually so say, some um and we say this the crimson horror is also good yeah Aren't we really just tarring him with the brush of victory of the Daleks? Well, and maybe the Idiot's Lantern to a certain degree. Yeah, but at least that, that sort of at least had an idea to it. It an did. An interesting I mean, idea to it. Which actually, yet they sort of re, re had another go at. Yeah, but yeah. Like I say, yeah, I think... Oh, I, has he had a bit of a rough... Because a lot of people will say that, oh, you know, oh, Mark Gatiss, you know, that was another episode written by Mark Gatiss. And you just think to yourself, yeah, has he really had a had a poor press over his episodes? Um, I really like, as I say, I really like this. I really liked Cold War. I actually, it, even as much as I like this, I still think I actually prefer Cold War. If well, I'm what, talking about his well, favourite episode of yeah, his. Yeah, I, th- I think the one that people... Hold against him most now is sleep no more, which I, yeah. I seem to remember we, we didn't particularly enjoy at the no. time. But then again, I've only watched it that once. Yeah, you know, um, like two three years ago now. So I mean, I, I mean, I have got this terrible of me. I do have the ninth series box set, which I haven't even watched yet. No, you know, is it, unfortunately, modern Who is not something I, I'd sort of leap into very often. It's usually sort of like old classic Who I, I'll jump into. Yeah. Really, which doesn't make any sense, really, because you know you, you can watch a single um, new Who story, you know, forty-five minutes to an hour max. Yeah, but with the old stuff, you got to sit through four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten episodes, you know. So um, it, it, it kind of would make more sense that if you want something quick to watch, then the then new Who is probably better. It fits the bill more. Hmm. I think it's yeah, the nostalgia no, no. thing more than anything else. But yeah, but but I think you know. Perhaps we need to reappraise him. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's he's had the odd bad episode, but he's had some really good episodes. So. He has, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I, I think yeah, maybe maybe we should um have have a have a, a Mark Gatiss retrospective at some point. Yes. Actually. So I might make make, make him the uh, a... Yeah, a thing. Yes. Well, it's, it's not quite the um what's what's what? We're not, we're not going down the the radar free scarrow mini scope um, <laughs> no. route here. We're not honestly. We're not we're not ripping off RFS here, but uh, no, I think sort of someone like Mark Gatiss would probably is probably due a an appraiser because I mean, so I've I've been a fan of his for years anyway. A through mainly League of Gentlemen, um, and also those horror documentaries that he, that he's done as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, maybe, maybe we should do that at some point in the future. Maybe we should do. Yeah. Okay then, right. Should we, should we leave that there then? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good stuff. Right now, um, we're leaving our retrospective of series one behind um, for a few weeks again, um, because uh, when we're back in uh, two weeks' time, uh, it, we're going to be doing a big finish story. Yes. And um, we're sort of coming almost up to date, really, aren't we? With 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 this particular story we've chosen because we've gone for a tenth Doctor and Donna story yes um and we're going to be doing technophobia hmm. Hmm. yeah we just thought it was time we we've sort of had had a go at all the others so yes let's let's have a let's have a go with uh, david tennant yes. yes indeed indeed i'm that looking forward to this sound, that makes it sound as if like we've reluctantly been listening to the other ones which we haven't obviously Sorry. no no i, I think it's come across like that well, I think we, we we sort of stuck. We've been sort of stuck with like the the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth doctors, haven't we? Um, yeah. And and some of the fourth ones as well. Um, into the fourth, so yeah. yeah. Looking forward, looking forward to to listening to 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 the tenth and seeing, which is obviously how they deal with that. Because yeah. Some of the others, they've all tried to recreate the feel of the the original uh, relationship and doctor atmosphere of of the series so mm. how they deal with a, a modern series doctor is going to yes. be interesting yes that is going to be interesting so I'm, I'm looking forward to that mm. looking forward to it so okay everybody so until then it is goodbye from me phil and goodbye from me paul goodbye to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Mm-hmm.